You are listening to Love Better, where we help you build healthier, stronger relationships, beginning with the relationship you have with yourself. I'm your host, Rena, here with my co-host, psychotherapist, Mary Jo Rapini. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Love Better. Today we're talking about feeling lonely within your relationship. Mary Jo, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I know you mentioned off the air that you have a lot of clients come to your private practice with this situation. Now, how would you describe this feeling? Well, it's more, it's a feeling of being like you're together, you're married or you're with somebody, but you feel like that person doesn't really know you or isn't really there for you. It's almost as if they're in the house, you sleep with them, you have a relationship with them, you may even go out to dinner, but there's just nothing that the person's just, you're not connected. And what typically happens to make people start feeling this way? Is there something specific that their partner does or maybe says? Sometimes there's a like a a crisis or something that precipitates it, but not always. Many times what I'll see with couples and what they'll tell me is that it's almost as if they kind of let it slide. Like before they know it, they're getting more and more distant. And when one of them reaches out and says, hey, are you okay? Or are you angry? Or, you know, something about you didn't like what I ate, what I um, asked you, they just kind of dismiss it because they're already starting to kind of withdraw. They're, and I think at this point, although they do, the patients don't tell me this, I think at this point there's a sense of resentment or hopelessness that it's not going to be repaired. That's interesting because it makes it sound like it's almost a communication problem. Is that kind of how you describe it? Yeah, I think it is a, I think it's a faulty communication. Like basically, you're not able to connect, you're not able to to say to your partner, I'm feeling distant right now. If they only would say that, but they don't. So they want their partner to ask them more. They want their partner to be more curious, but their partner is unable to do it. Now, you mentioned before um, there can be like a crisis or some kind of specific situation that can create loneliness or distance in a relationship. Now, if you have a partner that travels a lot or is in the military, is this almost unavoidable? Well, you know, that's a funny thing about it, Rena. There are couples who travel or one is stationed in Iraq and the other person is here in Texas, but they don't have it because they have a close connection when they do talk. Of course, whenever you live away from your partner or for a long time, there's this absence of a physical communication, you are going to feel a little bit distant, but they are still very emotionally connected. I think what happens is when couples are together and they start feeling alone, since they feel like they 
they not getting what they need from their partner, they'll reach out. They'll talk to friends about it. And friends do the opposite sometimes mm. of what we need. They start talking about how bad the guy is or right. how bad the woman is. Bro, you deserve better. Or, you know, oh, he's just like that because of his mother. They'll blame other people. Mm. But And so what you do is you start giving your friends and people who tell you this more credibility. And then when you go home to your partner and you keep getting the same response, maybe you'll even try picking fights because at least that is some engagement, right? Or you may go and read self-help books, but none of these things will give you what would have worked if you had done it, perhaps, and that's to be vulnerable and tell your partner how you're feeling, mm. not not waiting for them to ask, but rather telling them. And that does eventually happen, but not without a lot of damage being done. Mm. That's really interesting. And it seems like um, by talking about it with your friends and getting validation from them, you're almost kind of feeding that resentment. So do you notice that your patients often have this complex of like superiority, that they're better than their partner, the fact that their partner is not paying attention, that they're getting validated from their friends? They may. They may start getting empowered with that validation, but more so, and we really haven't explored this area yet, but I'll see it a lot when the when the people have children. And what oftentimes happens is the person who feels lonely, well, actually, the one who feels lonely and the one who is distanced from the one feeling lonely will start putting more emphasis into their children. Mm. And so this creates a whole problem with kids because kids don't really know what's going on with mom and dad, right? So you may find that the children are starting to get a sense of exaggerated importance Mm. in their ability to keep the marriage together. And you really, that's not healthy for kids. And it's really not good for the couple. I mean, really, the couple has always got to have a strong marriage so kids can come into it and it can remain strong. You shouldn't start out kids with a fragile marriage and hope that they can help reinforce it. And in a way, that's exactly what happens. That's really interesting about kids. And I've almost wondered, can the person that's feeling lonely in a marriage, do they benefit from having children in the marriage um, because they feel like maybe they have somebody more that they can connect to or that's part of the family? Or does it really just make it a lot more complicated? Well, it's it's not as healthy for the kids. This is the problem because the reason one parent is so in, engaged with that child or those children and is because they're not getting what they need from their mm. partner. And these are the very same couple. This is the very same couple that may later go on and divorce because after the kids leave home, this couple is looking at each other like, who are we? Ah. And in truth, they lost each other a long time ago. And they forgot to nourish the marriage. They forgot how to talk to each other. Mm. And since it lost its connection, maybe somewhere when the kids were small, it's very hard to restore that. Right. I imagine that having the kid is something that's bonded them together. They had to work together at least to raise the children. Exactly. And they've gotten a lot of benefit from having the children In other words, it has been one common thing that has kept them all together and united. So in that sense, children are a great thing, but 
I'm not sure it's good for the kids because remember, when children are small and as they get older, they will accept some of the responsibility when parents get divorced, even if it had nothing to do with them. And it usually doesn't. It is really usually about the parents in a first marriage. Right. And I know you've mentioned before that when you have a marriage, you're setting a role model for your kids on how a marriage works. And if you have one partner that's passive aggressive or one that's resentful or one that's ignoring the other, this is kind of what a relationship looks like to that child. Exactly. And then they're drawn into that same pattern. And they may have, they may go on to actually create a very unhealthy marriage right. because what what they met in another person or partner is exactly what they went through. And that doesn't mean it was good. It's unfortunate. And that's why I really encourage couples, you know, deal with it. If you deal with it early, like all things, your your chances of improving and creating an awesome marriage are so much better. Right. So let's let's talk about dealing with it now that we've kind of laid yeah. out the situation here. Um, what type of advice do you usually give these couples? Are there are ways for them to feel less isolated or lonely in their marriage or relationship? Well, you know, and that's a really good point because the, the first important thing is to ask yourself if you really want this relationship. There's a lot of people that stay together for reasons other than that they really want to be with this person. Maybe they're afraid of being alone or they feel financially responsible or they feel... Um, they feel insecure. They are, they don't believe in themselves. They don't think they could make it. So you have to be honest. This is a time when your honesty with yourself is paramount. I mean, if you can't answer that honestly, and I would take my time in answering it before I ever approached my partner, um, but I do think it's a soul-searching and a first step. Secondly, I'd say Talk to your partner about how you feel. I mean, does your partner know that you feel unloved or distant in the relationship? Because I want you to remember that nobody can read your mind. And unfortunately, a lot of people act out how they feel by doing things that are damaging to the relationship. Like I've seen a lot of people who feel separate from their partner and they'll end up having an affair to kind of feel better about themselves. And then they end up in my office, and the result of that is you already know. Now you've betrayed the trust of somebody you loved. You've severely hurt your relationship. And whether or not then you can work through the issue of trust and feeling alone, I mean, you you can understand how you're making this all worse by acting out rather than just talking about it. And then lastly, I, I think it's really important to to really have a, like a, I call it a a talk with Jesus, but you can call it whatever you want with your partner, a very soulful conversation about, you know, what are your guys' values about money, about sex, or about faith? Because many times these big issues aren't talked about and they get in the way of our relationship. And we start like let's say with a particular candidate or someone that is a political figure, they begin saying things that violate your values. And if your partner agrees with parts of that, but not all of it, and you can't communicate, then every time that partner shows support for someone that they like, and it may be a completely different issue, 
you feel violated or you start feeling more alone, like this person does not understand me at all. And you can understand how this projection on another person just leads to a further and further distance between the two of you. Pretty soon, you tell yourself because of their reactions that you have nothing in common, and that is not true. There is one specific area usually that you're having difficulty communicating about, and you're projecting everything that's going wrong in the relationship on that one area. So I think it's very important that you get very, you get clear about values cuz remember in relationships it's not it's not the big things that keep us together it's the values we hold together and how well we can discuss and debate and come to a resolution with them. That's what great relationships are made of. And if you don't learn it with this partner, just know you are going to have an opportunity to learn it because it comes with relationships. It's a natural, wonderful part of them. Mary Jo, one of the things I find very interesting whenever you talk is, you know, lots of counselors will say you need good communication, you need a healthy sex life, you need, you know, to stay faithful to each other. But you've always been really big on that you need to have a mission for your marriage. And um, that's one thing I don't feel like we're ever really taught um, whenever we, you know, get married or start dating. You don't really ever talk about having a mission together. Can you give some examples of what would be considered you know, your marriage's mission? Well, the mission of the marriage has a very real place the first two years of your marriage where you're actually creating your style. And I don't know if I said it in a podcast earlier, but we will for sure talk about it more. The first two years of marriage are actually the most vulnerable. It's not, you've all heard of the seven-year itch or, you know, the 14-year itch. Yeah, I mean, that's not the most vulnerable time of the marriage. The most vulnerable time is in the first two years because the relationship is trying to grapple with what it means. Remember, the marriage always has to take precedence. And I do talk a lot about marriage because I'm an advocate for marriage. So you your needs can never be as strong as the needs of the marriage. And it's important to keep that in check. The values, what you value most in the marriage is usually determined in the first two years. And that, in a sense, is its mission. For example, when I married my husband, I was 20. You might say, 20, that's crazy. And I guess it was crazy. But I will tell <laughs> you this, I, I know clearly now what helped save this marriage. Within the first, the first year was terrible. And I, we will talk about that another time. But within that first two years, we were able to establish what we each were bringing to the marriage, what we needed from the partner, in other words, how that partner was going to complement us, and the long-term mission. Our long-term mission was to always work together. I remember clearly explaining to my husband, listen, you're a smart person, and I feel like I'm pretty smart. So there should be nothing that two smart people cannot figure out together. Now, let me be honest. There were some things that two <laughs> smart people were not able to. And it's those times we reach to experts. We reach to 
other therapists. We went on marital retreats. We read books. We did things that we felt good about. I did not bring I did not bring children into the world right away. I waited. That doesn't mean that children would have hurt my marriage. It just means in the beginning, I was not stable enough to handle that. And I had the um, wherewithal to know that. And I think knowing yourself, a lot of our stuff, my stuff is really about the first relationship and the most important one is with yourself. And many times I'll refer to that in here, be honest with yourself, because you will never have a good relationship with anyone else if you don't have a good one with yourself. Now, Mary Jo, I always like to ask this because, you know, lots of my friends are like, do you think I should get professional help? Do you think I should see a counselor? So for people that think they need to see a psychotherapist or get counseling together, what can they kind of expect going into a session with somebody like you that is a psychotherapist? Right. Well, I try to do all of these podcasts with the idea that this is like one free session. And I treat the steps I give in here are very much like the ones I give in real life. But before you see a therapist, you actually each should write down and write three things that you agree on that need to change in the relationship. And then write down along with those three that that you decide together which of those which of those topics like on for each of the topics what in yourself would you be willing to change to have that work so in other words let's say one of your things is i want to get closer intimate wise i i want to be able to be closer to my partner okay what are you willing to change well i will make an effort to hold their hands whenever i have pos- a possible moment. I will make sure before when I first come home, no matter what else I do, um, what else I have to do, I'm going to go and hug them and welcome them Mm. that I'm home and that I recognize them. And then number three, something might be like, I am going to put my phone and get off my computer and shut off the TV and look at them, give them eye contact for a half hour of communication each night. Those would be three things that I think would make a big benefit if you were going to start addressing this issue with a psychotherapist. With a psychotherapist, basically, they're very different in how, if they want to see you together or apart, the person making the contact call usually talks a little bit to the therapist to so the therapist can kind of get an idea of what's going on. And then from there, they will instruct them how often they, you know, if they want to see them together the first time or separately. Mary Jo, I think that helps a lot. And I, I really do appreciate your time and experience with this topic. Before we wrap up this episode, is there any other advice or experience that you'd like to impart to our listeners that may be feeling alone or isolated in their relationship? Yeah, I think just to break it down so you know exactly what area to target, when you're feeling alone is much different than actually being alone. Feeling alone means the communication is broken. So when you 
if you're going to go to a therapist or if you're going to work on your situation, remember to stay focused on the way you each express yourself. And then you won't be going all over with blaming them for the tie they have on or for their choice in cars or something totally (laughs) irrelevant that is going to get you nowhere. Every human being needs to be physically and emotionally committed in some type of a relationship. Usually we're committed in many types, but at least there has to be one. When you feel alone in a relationship, what makes it unbearable is because the hope of connection is is gone. And it's that hope that actually leads to a breakup. And we don't talk a lot about that because hope is somewhat of a spiritual word, but it's also a very human word. And we all need to know that we can, we can fix what we have created to make it better. And that's the inspiration of every one of these podcasts. You can create an awesome relationship, but you cannot do it by yourself. You need to work with the other person so you can commit it and make it happen together. Well, that's it for our episode. You can find more relationship tips and resources at maryjoerapini.com, which is also in the podcast description. And thanks a lot for following. And don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Mary Jo Rapini and give me suggestions for more podcasts. And stay, stay in touch. I like to know what's going on.